Well, I did tell you guys in the last episode that we'll talk more about Seth Jones and his overall impact on a defensive standpoint and why I don't think he's overrated. But I do have to be honest with you guys in this sort of disclaimer, which is, is Seth Jones worth it? Because, you know, uh, would his contract situation be able to be outweighed by his talent? For a team like the New Jersey Devils that's in a rebuilding stage and ultimately could it be enough to help us out and what does he bring to uh, the table in terms of his defensive zone presence, his neutral zone presence, and also his offensive zone presence. We have a lot to talk about in this episode because I told you guys that I wanted to break down uh, his overall game and just give you guys my final opinion as to why I don't think he's overrated but I must say I'm kind of changing my mind as to whether the Devils should be all in or not for him because you know like I told you guys his contract situation is going to be very expensive and it does remind me about a current contract that the New Jersey Devils have on their roster who's also a defenseman because it could lead to some trouble uh, for us similar to what the Columbus Blue Jackets are in so we have a lot to break down in this episode so buckle up your locked on devils your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Alrighty now, what is up New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for the hockey writers, Trey Matthews. And it's currently 1.16 p.m. Eastern Time, June 7th, 2021 at the time of this recording. And guys, before we get into the silly season discussion, before we get into the news, before we get into all that fun stuff, I have to give you guys an important announcement. So I got word from the Locked On Podcast Network that last week was my biggest week in terms of listenership of all time. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in despite the Devils not being in the playoffs, despite there not being any like rumblings happening in New Jersey. You guys still tuned in to all of my silly season discussion. You still tuned in to all my player draft profiles. You still tuned in to my reaction for the fourth overall selection. My social media page is starting to grow on the Locked On Devils page. So I appreciate you guys for just uh, tuning in and making last week my biggest week ever of me being a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I can't thank you guys enough. I also want to give a shout out to all of my other colleagues on the Locked On Podcast Network who have also achieved that uh, great honor, including Locked On Avalanche, Locked On Canadians, Locked On Flyers, Locked On Hurricanes, Locked On Leafs, Locked On Red Wings, Locked On Sharks, and the Crosscheck Podcast. So all of us, we had our biggest uh, week in terms of listenership, and that is not possible without your guys' support. And like I told you guys, some of those teams I listed aren't in the playoffs, and some of them uh, got eliminated in the playoffs. So Ultimately, guys, it's just uh, so humbling to see that you guys still tune into our respective shows and still listen to our off-season discussions, our rumors, our dissection of the game, whatever the case might be. Thank you, guys. We are forever grateful for your listenership because, like I told you guys, without your listenership, there is no show. So I really appreciate you guys uh, for sticking by me through thick and thin and thin and thinner. And ultimately, I can't do this without you guys. I am forever grateful for... 
uh, your listenership. And if you are a new listener and you're enjoying what you're listening to so far, I would greatly appreciate a good review on Apple Podcasts, and I will give you guys a shout-out if you do so. So anyway, let's talk about some more Silly Season discussion, shall we? So if you hadn't checked out the last episode, I basically talked about the Seth Jones situation and how the Columbus Blue Jackets are kind of in a pickle in terms of his situation. So uh, let's have a little bit of a recap so I can get you guys caught up, and this can lead on into our discussion for today's episode. So anyway, Seth Jones has informed the Columbus Blue Jackets that he will not be returning to uh, the organization once his contract is up. So he's basically saying, you better trade me throughout uh, the course of the season, or I'm just going to walk away in free agency and you're going to get nothing in return. So ultimately, this puts uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets into a situation because, like I told you guys, he only has one year remaining on his contract, and he originally signed a six-year, $32.4 million deal. And uh, now you basically have him in a modified no-trade clause, and you got to try to put out feelers for other teams. And ultimately, guys, you know, if I am a GM for another team, whether it be the Devils, whether it be the Flyers, whatever the case might be, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, like, look, I'm not really in any rush to trade him, especially since he's saying that he's not going to resign with your organization. So I'm more than willing to roll the dice on him you know, testing the waters in free agency versus him getting traded to an organization and ultimately end up liking it. Because, uh, guys, here's the thing, because he has all the power. So like I just mentioned, he has a modified no-trade clause, and ultimately, you know, other GMs are going to be a little weary when it comes to trying to trade for Seth Jones because, like I told you guys, here's the business side of the NHL or any other sports league in general. The thing with trading, guys, it's sort of like an investment, if you know what I mean. So it's like you're not trying to break even. So ultimately, a lot of people wonder why do we trade big-name players for, like, you know, draft picks or players who are in the AHL, whatever the case might be. It's because we're looking for an investment. You know, you're looking for the future. So, for example, for our Paul Mary and Zajac trade, we got two AHL players and also a couple of draft picks. So, obviously, the draft picks are the centerpiece of the trade. So, those are our investment for the future, which is why, you know, if you see me on Twitter, it's one of the reasons why I'm saying that the Bruins have to beat the Islanders in this series. So, that way, for the sake of our 2021 draft pick from the Islanders, it can, you know, get a little bit better in terms of how high the selection could potentially go. So ultimately, you know, I'm glad to see that Paul Mary is scoring. I'm glad to see that Zajac feels like he's fitting in because he's no longer one of the old guys on a 25-year-old uh, roster, whatever the case might be. So I'm just quoting what he said uh, in an interview with uh, Islanders Media. But anyway, uh, going back to what I was saying, so obviously, uh, you know, when we did that trade uh, to get rid of Paul Mary and Zajac to the Islanders, we got two AHL players, one who is pushing 30 and still has not played in an NHL game, and the other who's had, you know, a couple cups of coffee in the NHL and actually made his Devil's debut uh, towards the end of the season. So obviously, I'm talking about AJ Greer in this regard. So obviously, those two AHL players are not really our... Uh, bread and butter when it comes to our investment it's those two draft picks so ultimately that's just the point I'm trying to make and obviously on the other side of the coin you got the Islanders who potentially think they can win the Stanley Cup finals and obviously they're putting up a better fight than I thought they would and they think that getting someone like Paul Mary and Zajac can really help because you got Zajac who is going to be another veteran piece on a mostly veteran roster and then you got Kyle Paul Mary who can, you know, score the lights out, especially against the Boston Bruins. We saw what he can do against the Boston Bruins this season. So it comes to no surprise that Paul Mary is actually doing relatively well in this Boston Bruins series 
for the playoffs. So ultimately, you know, there's the investment right there for the Islanders and also the Devils. So uh, going back to the Seth Jones situation, you know, me as a GM, I'm just like, why would I want to trade for Seth Jones and give up, you know, uh, a centerpiece of my organization or a draft pick or a young prospect when ultimately this could just be a rental. So, you know, uh, going back to uh, rentals, in which I was talking about in the last episode, sometimes a rental is, it could be a good thing because, you know, you might not get another player of that caliber or you might, uh, you know, run out of options, whatever the case might be. So obviously for Zajac and Paul Mary, they are both in the final years of their respective contracts. So obviously the Islanders are all in and just trying to potentially win the Stanley Cup this year and they think that adding pieces like Zajac who's appeared in the Stanley Cup finals before ultimately he lost but still you know he has that experience and then you got Kyle Palmieri who's a bona fide scorer and a goal getter yeah he had a little bit of an off year this year but ultimately who hasn't had an off year this season like we only got to play 56 games and ultimately it was all just condensed we were playing the same teams over and over again so Ultimately, guys, you know, you can expect some struggle here and there from uh, people like Kyle Palmieri, but ultimately still a very good player. So, you know, the Islanders just felt like we know they're in the final years of their contract, whether if we could get an extension or not. It seems like the Islanders are really big on not trying to re-sign uh, Travis Zajac to an extension. So I fully anticipate that Zajac might retire at the end of the playoffs. And then uh, for Kyle Palmieri, you know, I don't know what his future holds for the Islanders. I'm not Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders, but, you know, I would love uh, Kyle Palmieri on my team, quite honestly. So, you know, when we're talking about rentals, we see the, the overall impact and we see that sometimes it is an investment, sometimes it is a risk, and sometimes it can be all for naught, especially when you don't achieve your goal. But at the end of the day, you know, it's an investment. Some investments work, some investments don't work. So, Ultimately, you know, it's uh, give or take, it's pick your poison. But ultimately for the New Jersey Devils, we're not really in that boat to be taking a risk. So, you know, when I'm talking about trying to obtain Seth Jones, I know some of you might come at me. I know some of you might give me a lot of crap for this because in the last episode, I was big on the New Jersey Devils trying to, uh, you know, obtain them in free agency, not by a trade. You know, I I'm still sticking by that. But Ultimately, guys, you know, I'm starting to change my mind a little bit in terms of, you know, should we get Seth Jones? And no, it's not because of his production. We'll talk more about that later in the episode. It's more of just like, you know, his contract situation because ultimately, guys, you know, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm starting to see the correlation between him and P.K. Subban in terms of, you know, lengthy contracts. So obviously, Subban is in the final year of his lengthy deal. And, you know, regardless of whether the Seattle Kraken will take him in the expansion draft or whether or not uh, he uh, has to wait it out another year for the New Jersey Devils before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. I don't know what the case might be, but, you know, guys, we were trying to get rid of uh, P.K. Subban because he wasn't really helping our defense. And it was really hard to trade him, not because of his production, but it's just that his production didn't match the lengthy contract that we signed him to. So ultimately, that can put us into a pickle as well. So, you know, we're talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets pickle. You know, ultimately, uh, we need to think about our potential pickle if we were to sign Seth Jones to a lengthy deal and it's not working out because Seth Jones, as we know, he can be, you know, a little bit much in terms of personality, in my opinion. But ultimately, you know, every superstar has a little diva in them. And, you know, Seth Jones, uh, I, I still don't think he's an overrated player. I think uh, people are focusing too much on the analytical side of things and not so much what they see 
uh, by the eye, and that's what's hurting this game a little bit. It's what's hurting people like Seth Jones because people are looking too much at the stats and not his overall impact, what meets the eye. So it's one of those situations where we can't be looking at the stats. We have to be looking, you know, based on one of our senses, what makes this game so great. It's what makes sports so great. You know, rely on what you see, you know, don't believe what you read all the time. So ultimately, guys, that's why I want to discuss in this episode, and then I'll give you guys my final verdict on the Jones situation, and ultimately, I'm not really hearing too many rumors as to what's going on in the front office for the New Jersey Devils in regards to this uh, potential trade or signing when free agency occurs, but ultimately, guys, you know, everything is subjective, everything is just rumors, but I'm really hearing that the Flyers might go all in for him, so you know, there's that. I just wanted to give you guys that spoiler. But ultimately, guys, it's an investment, you know, to get any player in a trade or, you know, just roll the dice to see if they'll test free agency. And speaking of investing, uh, I think it's time for the first live read this morning. So investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront is entrusted with over $200 billion of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash NHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL today to get started and now it's time for the second live read this morning and it comes from lucy.co so lucy nicotine is a company founded by caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and clearer nicotine alternative finally tobacco alternatives that don't suck Research and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, winter green, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now, and it's convenient and discreet product to be enjoyed anywhere on flights, at work, on the go, or even at the gym. Please uh, know that it's 2021, so get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is a real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Lucy lozenges and gums are also FSA and HSA eligible in case you missed it, and you can spend pre-tax dollars on them. So, Locked On NHL listeners, go to lucy.co and use the promo code Locked on NHL to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use the promo code Locked on NHL at checkout. And also, I have a disclaimer. This product contains nicotine uh, derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I just have to let you guys know. So lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code locked on NHL. So anyway, getting back to uh, the topic of Seth Jones. So obviously, guys, you know, you've been hearing a lot of rumors. You've been hearing a lot of narratives saying that Seth Jones is not really a good defender. He's really overrated. And, you know, if you look at the numbers, this, that, and the third. However, you know, let's uh, not look at this year in general because it was a rough year for the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, let's be fair to Seth Jones and let's, like, look at a full-fledged season because, like I told you guys in the last episode, he 
could put up a good number of points for a defenseman. And overall, you know, he was able to, you know, be a solid defenseman and just help the Columbus Blue Jackets because this year was the first year that the Columbus Blue Jackets had missed the playoffs in a few years and they finished dead last in the Central. So obviously uh, with the turmoil that was going on, it was just a rough year for them. So Ultimately, you know, we, we read what Seth Jones was able to do in terms from a statistical standpoint, but I actually want to break away from that for a second. So because a lot of people look at the advanced analytics and just say Seth Jones is below replacement level. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. And ultimately, guys, I've been guilty of doing that. I did that for PK Subban, but obviously, guys, you know, I am also very fair. Like I look at the stats, but I also look at what I see like on my television screen because, you know, I wasn't able to get to the Prudential Center this year. But, you know, when I'm looking at P.K. Subban's defense, you know, and, you know, it's saying he's below replacement level in this regards, I agree with it because it's like, you know, look at some examples. So, like, you know, let's go back earlier in the year. Uh, I believe it was the fourth game against the New York Islanders. Look at how many odd man rust situations that the New Jersey Devils were in, in which uh, the, the Islanders were able to beat them, I believe, 4-1. to one, And albeit Mackenzie Blackwood was not playing in that game, it was Scott Wedgwood. But still, you know, guys, you know, when, when we look at it in that regard, it's just like the defense was atrocious for the New Jersey Devils. So, you know, when I read uh, those articles saying that P.K. Subban is below replacement level, whether it be offensively, defensively, whatever the case might be, I agree with that statement because I've seen it with my own two eyes. But for Seth Jones, you know, let's be a little fair. And I found this great article on uh, Substack.com. And uh, this is by someone by the name of Jay Fresh, published in June of 2020. So, uh, you know, this was during the uh, pandemic with everything was shut down. You know, we need to talk about Seth Jones and his on-ice results because a lot of people say he's just average when it comes to that. But, you know, let's look at uh, some other stuff because, you know, like I told you guys, you know, he plays big minutes and uh, ultimately, you know, when he's in the playoffs, you know, he ultimately, you know, you're able to see him uh, compete and just uh, do his thing. So we just need to look at some other regards because I, I think uh, numbers are deceiving in this case. And this is what's hurting the game, guys, when we're just looking at advanced analytics. Let's look at, you know, just some overall impact. And, you know, I think uh, Jay Fresh for, you know, breaking it down. So obviously we need to look at the defensive zone. So uh, according to Jay Fresh, his overvalue is physical toughness and ability to box out. And his undervalue is ability to find a continuation play instead of dumping the puck. So according to Jay Fresh, he says that Jones, especially in the playoff, excels at the former. Uh, you know, it catches the eye of the commentator and you'll hear them say hounded by Jones. So when you're watching a game, whether it be the playoffs or the regular season, you see that Jones is putting his all in and just ultimately, you know, he'll do whatever it takes to just, you know, be that guard in the defensive zone and just hold down his fort, if you know what I mean. So obviously we know he's a big guy, you know, he uh, stands really tall and Ultimately, guys, he's still young and he can still develop. And, you know, that's just the one thing that I'm looking at. So, Seth Jones, if you need a reference, he's six foot four and he's listed at 220. So, you know, we, we know that, you know, he's a tall and a big guy. So, that's usually a combination you don't see too often. And then, obviously, let's go over to the uh, neutral zone, the middle part of the zone, which is he is overvalued is that he carries from the defensive zone into the neutral zone into the offensive zone. 
and his undervalue is jumping past your check in the defensive zone and attacking the space in the middle of the ice off the puck. So basically, what does that all mean? So ultimately, guys, you know, we, we talked about in the last episode how Jones loves to carry the puck. And ultimately, you know, his love for carrying the puck, sometimes it can be a high risk and low reward kind of thing because we know that he loves to handle the puck, but ultimately doesn't really help in the end. So, for example, like, you know, we uh, hear the commentators say, according to this article, and I kind of agree with this. So, here's Jones again, carries the puck across the line, sends a pass out in front, and it's missed by Dubois. So, obviously, this is when Pierre-Luc Dubois was still on the roster. And uh, the reaction that a lot of you and myself can do is like, oh, nothing really came out of that, but, you know, you know, it's Jones just trying to lead the offense. And ultimately, guys, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I was so big on Clark. This is why I was so big on Hughes because, you know, it's their ultimate willing uh, to be a passer and just find the open lane and be a good teammate. So ultimately, all that can be developed. So, you know, this is why uh, people like Seth Jones. This is why uh, young guys like Luke Hughes and Brant Clark, this is why uh, they have potential to be great players in the NHL. It's just because they're able to find the open passing lane. They're willing to quarterback the offense. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, I was big on Seth Jones because, you know, it was just like, you know, in the power play opportunity, he would actually be tops in a power play goals and also power play points. And he's a defenseman. So, you know, there's that. And, you know, some of you were like, you know, I don't really want someone who can like lead our power play unit uh, as a defenseman. We don't really need that because we have Smith, we have Severson, we have those kind of guys. But ultimately, guys, you know, we, we, we're in need of some defensemen, quite honestly. And keep in mind that Butcher and uh, Subban are, you know, scheduled to be unrestricted free agents at the conclusion of this upcoming season. So I'm just saying like, you know, we, we kind of have some voice to fill, you know, not really for Butcher, but, you know, for Subban, yes, because I presume that Subban is not really in uh, the future plans for the New Jersey Devils just based on his production, and, you know, we just got to wait to see what happens in the Seattle Kraken, but let's switch gears for a second, so let's go back to what Seth Jones can uh, potentially do in the offensive zone, so his overvalue is that he's taking a lot of shots from the point, and his undervalue is that he's holding the puck and running high cycle plays with F3 to create better looks in the slot area so uh, Jones doesn't just stand at the blue line and fire shots although mentioned above he does have the instant to chuck them on net so who does that remind me of well let's see his uh, name begins with a P and it ends with an N and uh, he goes by the nickname the Subinator and a lot of his shots get blocked or redirected and ultimately it can really hurt us in the end but it doesn't convert to anything but his cycle plays uh, do tend to make him uh, to places where he doesn't generate a whole lot so uh, the jackets don't generate a whole lot in the slot when he's on the ice and a big part of that is because instead of trying to find his teammates in the slot through high cycles he often likes to jump up all the way below the red line and try to do it himself so this is what I'm talking about uh Subban could have been more productive in this regard so if Subban doesn't want to pass a puck he needs to go a little deeper into the zone to try to have his uh shots translate into more goals that's what I was talking about because that's how he found his uh goals uh a couple seasons ago so you know, that's what I'm talking about. And, you know, Seth Jones really seems to know how to be adaptable. So, you know, there, there's that in that regard. So, um, you know, uh, my overall opinion is that I think a lot of people give uh, unnecessary hate to Jones just based on the advanced analytics. And I just believe his overall impact, uh, you know, is shown more than what meets the eye. So, you, you, you know what I mean? It's just like we can't be focusing on the stats, but like really sit down and digest the game and just say, you know what? 
I, I think he's actually doing something pretty useful for our respective organizations. So, you know, I told you guys that we would be talking more about this in this episode in regards to just like, you know, his overall impact on a team, what meets the eye. But I got to give you guys uh, the third live read before I give you guys my final verdict. Uh, so did you know that, uh, Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors? And when you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. And guess what, guys? Bilt Bars are the best tasting protein bar ever. And they have so many amazing flavors, including coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. You know what my favorite flavor is? It's birthday cake. Hint, hint, my birthday is on July 8th. So not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars ever, they're actually very, very healthy as well. So most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugars, and only 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use that promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Again, Built Bar, they are the best tasting protein bars ever. And I absolutely love them. I love them before I go to the gym, before I go to school, before I record an episode, whatever the case might be. So Built Bars are amazing. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. So ultimately, guys, I got to give you the final verdict on this Seth Jones ordeal because we have split this into two respective episodes in regards to what Seth Jones could potentially bring to an organization. I've defended him in most instances where I say he's not overrated. And, you know, when people say he's not as elite as he seems, I'm just saying, like, you know, uh, we can't be focusing on the advanced analytics, just focus on what you know meets the eye in this regard so you know like focus on what uh you're seeing like on the television screen and not when you're looking at a computer on nhl.com slash stats you you know what i mean so you know that that's stuff that we need to focus on but ultimately you know i just want uh to give you guys my final verdict which is should we get seth jones in free agency i'd say as a last resort you know what i mean because the thing about seth jones is is he is good but at the same time you're going to have to pay him. And at the end of the day, guys, you know, I'm thinking about the P.K. Subban situation, which is we could find ourselves in a pickle, which is we sign him long term. And ultimately, what if uh, everyone else is right? And what if I'm wrong? Because, you know, I've been wrong before. What if, uh, you know, he doesn't get any better and we sign him to like nine million dollars a season? Because that's, I'm sure, something he's going to be expecting, which is like he's expecting nine million dollars from a team. Could we sign him to a two year nine million dollar deal? I mean, it's possible, but I don't think he's going to take that. I think he's looking for a long-term uh, situation. So ultimately, guys, it's just like, you know, uh, you know, do I want to keep Seth Jones? Do I want to just, you know, uh, pass on him, whatever the case might be? It's just like, you know, I, the more and more I think about this situation, the more and more that you guys bring up the P.K. Subban situation, the more and more I kind of agree with you in that regard, which is it's just like, Eh, you know, it's just like uh, we could find ourselves in that similar situation. So ultimately, guys, you guys have convinced me and that doesn't really happen too often, which is, you know, could this potentially happen again? Uh, and could we just find ourselves behind the eight ball even further? I don't know. But, you know, I like Seth Jones. I like what he brings to a roster, but I just don't think he would be the best fit for New Jersey. And, you know, it's so funny because I talk about how uh, Lindy Ruff loves two-way players and obviously Seth Jones is a two-way player and he seems like uh, 
PK Subban, uh, just much better, much younger, whatever the case might be. Albeit, albeit, I know, I know, PK Subban is a former Norris Trophy winner, but I'm just saying, in terms of where they're at right now, because Subban is, you know, uh, I think approaching the tail end of his career, if I'm being completely honest, unless he gets a new change of scenery and just a new situation, whatever the case might be, I don't know. But ultimately, Seth Jones is relatively young. He'll turn 27 later this year or so. You know, uh, could could we develop him? Could we uh, try to make him into something special? I don't really know. You know, that's really up in the air. But ultimately, guys, you know, Seth Jones, is he actually elite? You know, I can agree with you. Maybe he's not elite like people say it is, but he's certainly not undervalued as, you know, what I'm seeing these reports are saying and saying like, you know, he'll provide little to nothing. He won't do this, that, and the third. You know, people were saying the same thing about Taylor Hall, but look what he's doing for the Boston Bruins right now in their playoff series as they're taking on the New York Islanders. I'm just saying that. So, could it be like a Taylor Hall situation where maybe he does get traded, he doesn't like the situation, wants out of that situation as well, test free agency again and signs like with the uh, with a team like the Devils for like maybe a season or two just to see like, you know, what it's like to see if maybe he can be the one to lead them out the gutter and then ultimately get his wish and go to a contending team? I don't know. That that sounds very uh, complex and very unlikely and just a lot of luck would have to go his way in that regards. But ultimately, guys, it's just like my final verdict on the situation is that, you know, let's save the Seth Jones uh, ordeal as a last, uh, you know, a last resort kind of thing if that makes sense which is like you know let's not go all in but if i'm tom fitzgerald if i'm the gm if i'm lindy ruff if i'm you know whoever's in charge of making this decision whatever the case might be i'm definitely entertaining the thought if i'm lindy ruff i'm definitely lobbying for seth jones and just saying like look let's not take him off the table i know he might not be a priority but at the same time you know let's at least just uh put a feeler out you know once he tests free agency and let's see if he'll be willing to be one of those like you know veteran pieces for a young team that's heading in the right direction if you know what i mean so ultimately guys you know i'm really looking forward to see what the devils will do to reshape their defense i fully anticipate they'll draft a defenseman in this year's nhl draft hopefully it's luke hughes uh you know brant clark is also available maybe owen power can slip whatever the case might be i'm really looking forward to the draft to see uh who's going to be the next big defenseman for the New Jersey Devils organization. And ultimately, guys, you know, we got Ty Smith, who uh, I believe will win a Norris Trophy at some point during his career. But, you know, ultimately, you know, it's going to be a very compelling situation to see what the uh, uh, Seth Jones ordeal is going to be like. But like I told you guys earlier in the episode, it looks like the Flyers are going to be all in for him. But ultimately, that's all speculation. But let me know what you guys think on Locked on Devils. I tried to, you know, give you guys a full-blown analysis. So I gave you guys the background on the Columbus Jacket situation. I gave you background on his contract. I gave you guys my overall opinion on his style of play defensively, how I don't think he's overrated, but at the same time, he will be expensive. And is his expensiveness, is it enough to, you know, just uh be outweighed by his talent i don't really think so in this regards but he's still a very talented player so i just wanted to get that out there so ultimately let's save it as a last resort if i'm the new jersey devils but let me know what you guys think on my twitter page locked on devils and thank you guys for making last week my most popular uh week ever of me being a part of lockdown podcast network i really appreciate you guys so continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day new jersey i will catch you guys in the next episode thanks for listening and go devils